0: Hi everyone, this is Sam Black, and welcome to Drafting Archetypes. Today, I'm going to talk about drafting red, white, in crimson Vowel limited. Before I get started, I want to remind everyone that the notes are available on Patreon.com/slash Drafting Archetypes, and um, that can let you follow along with what I'll be talking about on the episode today. Um, that's available on Patreon.com/slash Drafting Archetypes for patrons, uh, limited guru or above level patrons specifically. Okay, so red-white wins 55.9% of the time, which for those who aren't looking at the distribution probably don't know where that puts it in the grand scheme of things. It wins less than black-red, blue-white, red-blue, and red-green. So kind of middle of the pack, least successful at the red archetypes, but red archetypes in general do pretty well. Not like a bad archetype that you need to avoid, but not an archetype that I'm personally looking to end up in myself. I think that red is a touch overdrafted, if anything. And if for some reason red is open and I should be drafting red, white's not the color I would look to pair with it personally. So this is an archetype that I personally end up in fairly infrequently. That said, if you're in a space similar to where I am, Um, where you're primarily avoiding green in this format, this is an archetype that's compatible with that. So I I would expect to end up here rarely, but occasionally. The primary issue with red-white in this format is typically red-white is an aggressive archetype. And I believe that if you look at the paper insert that comes in boosters that tells you kind of like the description of what all the color pairs are about, If I remember correctly, red, white is actually listed as its theme is just like being aggressive, which is surprising in its um, lack of precise thematic cohesion. But I I think that that's uh, that's what's going on here, which really more than anything else speaks to the designers didn't even really try to give you a specific thing to work toward. And I would also argue that To the extent that aggression is what red-white is about, that doesn't even particularly come through in this limited format compared to other limited formats. The issue is that uh, the strongest cards in red and white are removal, card filtering, and life gain, which are not naturally particularly aggressive. You're basically, like, your best cards are at common are Flame Blast Bolt, Abrade, Sigarda's imprisonment. Well, traveling minister. Sigarda's imprisonment. Falconrath celebrants and kindly ancestor. And then, like the next best creatures are Voldaren, Epicure, and Heron of Hope. It's all about like making sure that you don't flood. But like, there's this like life gain thing going on. Like the creatures are fine. They just happen to gain life, which means that some portion of their strength is not devoted to ending the game. So red white ends up in this kind of conf- like confusing space where it's very similar to uh, black, white, or even red, black. Typically, I um, wouldn't want to play like Mardu because often those archetypes tend to be aggressive. And when there's not very much fixing, it's hard to cast your spells. But I have played Mardu successfully in this format because what all three of those pairs are doing are so similar and have so much overlap that if you focus on uh, using blood and removal spells and playing a long game and playing an attrition game and trying to just like wear your opponent out, the cards work well together. And I feel like if your goal is, as one's goal usually is in an aggressive uh, deck to end the game before your opponent can use all their resources, I don't think that the cards lend themselves especially well to doing that. You're just not great at pushing large amounts large amounts of damage early in the game, especially when, like, Fierce Retribution is one of the better white cards and, like, it's not an efficient way to remove a blocker, but it's an efficient way to remove an attacker. And so red-white's not very aggressive. This isn't like red-white in Kaldheim or other sets where you're maybe, like, uh, going tall with, like, suiting up an evasive threat and killing your opponent before they find a way to deal with it. This is like more reliant than red white usually is on evasion and um, reach. Like this deck actually makes pretty good use of Kessik Flame Breather. Structurally, I think that it's a lot more mid range than it might be presented as. It does have uh, closing power. A lot of the good uncommons are aggressive but the the top uncommon is voltaic visionary which is a good aggressive card but its strength is primarily in the fact that it gives you an extra card which speaks to the fact that this is kind of more about attrition than it is about aggression alluring suitor markov walter very aggressive very good aggressive creatures but They're more just overall powerful cards than, like, purely aggressive. Markov Waltzer is very much about attacking. It has evasion. It has an ability that only works on your turn. So it's only working, like, while you're the one initiating combat. But I feel like the game is more about establishing persistent damage than big damage outputs. So we see that in, for example, Nurturing Presence, having a higher win rate in Red-White, than any of the two manic creatures. Blood Petal Celebrant, Drug Skull Infantry, and Casting Flame Breather being the best of them. Nurturing Presence, which puts less power onto the uh, table, but um, gives you an evasive threat, performs better. And so it's more about having this removal to stop your opponent from blocking your flyers and stop your opponent from killing you while you use Traveling Minister with flyers like uh nurturing presence heron of hope and markov waltzer to uh push damage casting flame breathers pushing damage you can use wedding invitation and stuff there are games where you'll you know maybe like curve out with ground creatures and maybe you know use a cigar as imprisonment on your opponent's blocker and just kind of like run your opponent down but i think that that's a smaller portion of games than it would be in a successful run with Red, White, and Midnight Hunt. Red, White, and Midnight Hunt was weaker overall, but it was more, um, I would say, focused uh, traditionally on just like, well, I have aggressive cards, I'm hoping to beat you with them. Whereas here, because of the existence of blood and a lot of good removal, you're much more likely to end up in a spot where... You're just answering all your opponent's stuff and playing kind of a normal late game. And because Red White plays so similarly to Red Black and Black White, I think there are a lot of games that are just kind of like in this scrappy blood and small creatures and removal is what like both players have. And so you're just kind of like trading resources and playing small games and just hoping to come out on top with the last thing standing or whatever the end of the day, what that means for me is that red, white isn't exceptional at doing anything. It's not bad at doing it. It's just doing the same thing that other colors are doing. And I guess I would often prefer to have black as one of the colors, largely, interestingly enough just for pointed discussion, or blue for card draw. But when so much of the format is in this kind of like more interactive, everyone's prioritizing and playing removal to deal with bombs, and no one's really that great at ending the game kind of space, I would really like to have a deck that has a little bit more rock card advantage than what red, red-white is capable of, which again is why we see Voltaic Visionary being so successful. Uh, interestingly, I would expect the impulse the Uh, Light up the stage type card to maybe show up as a way to deal with that, but I don't remember it having great stats. But I want to step back a second and touch on the thing that I was saying about nurturing presence being the most uh, successful two drop. There's a little asterisk by that note for me, which is nurturing presence has a higher win rate than the other two, than the two mana creatures. However, nurturing presence interestingly, has a worse improvement when drawn than cards with a comparable win rate. And this is the way that I like to use the improvement when drawn stat. I don't trust it by itself, but I think that it can give context to other cards. And in the case of Nurturing Presence, what I believe is going on here is... You are, because it's so important if you're going to put Nurturing Presence in your deck to be able to play it early, ideally on curve, which requires having one mana creature. You are more likely to play Nurturing Presence the more one mana, uh, one cost creatures you have in your deck. And I also believe that the more Traveling Ministers and Voldaren Epicures you have in your red white deck, the stronger that deck is. So I think that Nurturing Presence is more likely to be played. In good decks or with cards that are independent that are strong separately from that. So a lot of nurturing presence's high win rate, I think, is just uh it's being carried by the cards that it's played with. And when you don't have traveling minister, you both win less and don't play nurturing presence. So that would lead me to uh like you know, not necessarily prioritize nurturing presence over. Call Infantry. When I'm drafting Red White, if I especially if I don't already have Epicures and Ministers, uh, to know that the presence will be good. So this is a spot where you don't want to just like trust the higher win rate as indicating that it's a better card or will make your deck better. The only commons in Red and White that win more than Red White's average um, are. The Premium Removal Spells, flambush Bolt, A Braid, and Cigar to Imprisonment, and Traveling Minister. I'm still not totally sure how to parse that information. There was another deck where almost, nothing, where almost none of the commons won more than the decks aggregate win rate, and some decks where that was far from true. My guess is that when that happens, it's more important to have uncommons, whereas when there are a lot of commons that win more than the aggregate win rate, uh, if you put the right commons together, you'll do well. But I believe that a lot of the strength of red white is in the uncommons. Um, Your commons are like removal and support cards, and you really want to have your voltaic visionaries, alluring suitors, markov waltzers, angelic quartermasters, twin blade geists, all all of that stuff as the like to give you a core of strong aggressive creatures. That means that basically, it just means I only want to be red white if it's open because these aren't. It's not like these are cards where i will get them if other people aren't exactly red white like people are going to take the good red commons if they're any red deck they're going to take the good white commons if they're any white deck markov ulcer is the only card that will come to me if like nobody's playing red and white together so this is not you know like i talked about how blue green wants specific cards to the blue green archetype and so it's very concerned with is anybody else at the table blue green and it might not care if it's being passed to by a blue player and a green player who are doing something else. Whereas red-white, I don't really care if, you know, if the person opposite me is in red-white, that's fine, as long as the people next to me are not in red or white, so that I can get two or three looks at the good red and white uncommons. That's what I want. So it's more about just, like, independent good card quality in my colors, particularly premium uncommons and the premium commons, and then... You know every extra common creature I have to play that's not like Epicure Minister or to some extent Falconry Celebrant, but there are diminishing returns there. Heron of Hope, but only if I have traveling ministers. Like I, I really want as many of my creatures as possible to just be uncommons. For that to be the case, I need those. I need to be at a table where like a table and seat that happens to like see those cards, and for my neighbors to not be in those colors. So. Um, I think that means that it's like this is an archetype where I would want to be here because I'm reading signals and believe these colors are open rather than something that I would want to force or try to position myself into because I just like I don't think the commons are where you want to be. They're not going to be carrying you by themselves. That's my guess. Again, that's because I think that they're just not quite in sufficient alignment about how they want to play and what they're trying to do. I just failed to previously do my dives into cards that look like that might be overplayed or underplayed in the archetype. Uh, no really big standouts there, except uh, that the two drops, Drugs Call Infantry and Blood Petal, Petal Celebrant in particular, are played pretty highly and not very successful. This is just uh, points back to two drops in this format are pretty easily outclassed and can be hard to take advantage of. And it might be best to draft in a way that doesn't prioritize trying to make that work and might just accept that uh, this isn't a format for them and to focus on doing other things with your deck. Relatively short lecture, but that's fine when that's what's going on. Let's turn it over to uh, Twitch for questions and just go from there. Anyone in Twitch chat, if you have any questions or comments on red, white, drop them in chat and I will uh, answer them while I'm waiting for that. I do want to thank the newest patrons at patreon.com slash drafting archetypes. Will and Sean, thank you very much for the support. All right. First question. Wedding Invitation performs well in both of the other murder color pairs, but curiously not well in red, white with the vampire and life gain density in red, white. This is a little surprising to me. Any thoughts on why that might be? I also thought that, that was a little surprising. So the life gain is a little less important when you're not spending life because of um, the fact that you don't have access to pointed discussion. Uh, you're also not enabling the synergies on Courier Bat, which is another like high impact payoff for gaining life. There are a few other black cards that trigger off gaining life. And so, I think like a lot of the uh, reason that Wedding Invitation is performing so well in black decks is both that black decks are spending life and, more importantly, have specific trigger points that care about gaining life. And so, the easy, reliable way to make those triggers happen when you want them to is a substantial portion of the strength in black. Also, red has some other, um, red and white have more other ways to get reach such that they're not necessarily relying on the unblockability as much thanks to Kessig Flame Breather and like Ancestral Anger in red and then the flyers in white. That's my best guess there on what's going on with vetting invitation, but that's more speaking from just like reasoning through what we observe with the stats rather than like my specific experience with wedding invitation thoughts on ancestral anger and combat tricks as a method of getting through high toughness blockers or would evasion be a better way to go so sure strike is a card that has a reasonable performance in red white and um the plus two plus two indestructible performs non horribly ancestral anger also performs all right ancestral anger is going to be a lot better if you have twin blade geist or casting flame breather or a lot of ancestral angers I definitely think that if you do end up in the like more aggressive spot, uh, like version of red um, where you're playing uh, just like more of the cheap creatures and less removal, basically. So, you know, presumably there are going to be some powerful cards in your deck. If instead of having Voltaic Visionaries and Markov Vultures, you have a Braids and Cigard Imprisonments, you are less likely to want combat tricks. If you have less of that premium removal and more of those like premium creatures, you're more likely to want uh ways to push damage in combat. Markov Waltzer in particular is a card that you know plays pretty well with Sure Strike in particular. I think that there you really just wanna the typical, the less you the more the more creature-based your deck is, the more you want combat tricks. And the more removal you have, the less you want combat tricks. Next. Question slash comment. I've been protect- conceptualizing red, white, and vow as bad blue, white, similar overall game plan, but trading in blue interaction plus card advantage for reds. Are there any strengths of red, white that I'm missing with this idea? The main thing that red is offering you is more removal, which is what white's offering you. So there's redundancy there, but the redundancy means that you can plan for it or if you're not seeing the removal in white, you can swap in the removal in red if removal's the thing that you need. I agree with you in that I prefer pairing removal with card advantage. And so I feel like if I have the removal in red, I'd rather pair it with the card draw in white. If I have the removal in white, I'd rather or I'd rather pair it with the card draw in blue. If I have the removal in white, I'd rather pair it with the card draw in blue rather than like doubling down on removal. Like I, I like to just say, okay, I'm blue and then I'm going to be, Either red or white, whichever card, color I'm seeing good cards in. But hypothetically, someday I might blue might not be open. And then I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but uh, I mean, to your question, like I mean, you're you're certainly asking someone with a considerable bias. I am very likely to agree. Yeah, I want to be blue. I can't say that there's no advantage to just being red white instead. You know, doubling down on your removal and trying to end the game and saying, well, I don't really need card draw because I have like blood from Falcon Earth Celebrants or whatever. But that's what you have. The next question or comment is about Honeymoon Hearse, um, which Beers says has been the go-to for getting through large creatures um, and acknowledging that it has really bad stats. I think Hearse is pretty interesting. It's a card that I played against a little and had some trouble with. And then I've largely avoided because its stats are really, really bad. But I do think that its stats are likely driven down by people playing in decks that can't support it. And if you have a very large number of one and two drops, I think it's actually pretty good. I've played it very, very little, but I have sideboarded it in to very good effect. And just like the text of the card reads like it should be good to me if you're reliably playing a creature on turns one and two, which I do think red-white is likely the best color parrot doing or certainly an above average color parrot doing it. So it's easy to believe or easy for me to believe at least that despite the stats, it is possible to have red-white decks that would use her swell. I would feel good about being in that space. If, if I had a deck that had a lot of Ministers and Epicures I would be happy to play the like hearse theme deck. But I do think that you want to be really, really careful about not over applying your use of honeymoon hearse. It's one where like, if you're not totally there, you don't want to like stretch it because um, it's, you know, the fails data and I just don't have creatures to crew this, or I have to crew this with big creatures and it's not getting me anywhere. Uh, that's a really high cost. Similarly, if you have too much removal, you don't want hearse because you don't need the hearse to be able to get through with your creatures, and you're less likely to be able to crew the hearse. So this is kind of for the like, if you're red white hearse, you're operating in the fail state where you just like haven't gotten a lot of removal. And I was just talking about how I don't want to be red white because I'm kind of like doubling up on removal, and I'd rather play the removal that I've seen in one of those colors with card draw and blue or black. So it feels like if you're both those colors, you likely have a lot of removal, and then you wouldn't want hearse. And then if you're If you imagine that that's often happening, but that people are playing hearse anyway, that explains why the stats would be bad. And if you understand all that, you only play hearse in your, you know, very low curve, high creature count decks, uh, I could see hearse being good. Another great creature to play with hearse, of course, being casting Flame Breather, which you're happy to have in play, happy to have crewing your hearse getting value off of. So that one plus the one drops in particular is going to be the best way to go about hearseing people comment not so much a question i feel like you end up red white by starting in strong red uncommons and white being significantly more available than blue or black i agree that that's a very common path more of the top cards are red than white though i mean you could hypothetically start with like a valoring valorous stance or angelic quartermaster but you're more likely to start with a voltaic visionary alluring suitor uh flame blast bolt branding flame or a braid um but uh, yeah, I, I do think, I mean, it's just there are more first pick red commons and uncommons than there are first pick white commons and commons, And the strong red uh, uncommons really don't care what color you pair them with. So it's kind of just like, all right, well, I take these good red cards. Everyone around me also took red good red cards. So I can't just like stay open through all of pack one. So I end up needing to go to whatever color I'm seeing which means that I'm basically going to go to a color that has strong commons. And I do think that white has reasonably strong commons that go kind of late and play reasonably with the red cards. So I do think that like that's often going to be the story in terms of how you end up there. Next or question, red-white is bad at splashing, but it has some similarities to green-black in terms of being a good stuff deck that relies on being open. Yes, good point. Uh, how much should I be looking to splash here? and as a result, should I be interested in taking Forsaken Statue highly in this archetype? No. Green, black, you're looking for rock hard quality and can splash well. Red, white, you should only splash if you find a single pip bomb that uh, like you really, really, really want. Red, white's curve lends itself really, really, really badly to needing to play Heirloom. Cause you, I mean, I guess it's, it's not that bad. I could imagine a red, white deck, where you're all one drops, two drops, heirlooms, and falcon wrath celebrants. I mean, like that that deck actually doesn't sound that bad to me. Like, if you end up red white and you need to splash, you should try to be one drops, two drops, heirlooms, and falcon wrath celebrants and your splash cards. But I would say that's a very unusual place for you to happen to be uh when you decide that you're gonna splash in your red white deck. And in general, red white still wants to be like you know proactive aggress- aggressive even if it's not like the fastest beatdown deck that's like tempoing your opponent out or ending the game before before they get to like use their cards but you're still you know trying to be a front foot deck trying to be uh pushing the game toward its conclusion you know ending the game before your opponent hits seven mana rather than after even if you're not ending the game uh before your opponent's had a chance to play most of the spells in their opening hand whereas Green black is much more, uh, you know, green black is also a card quality deck, but it's much more about like blocking and uh, casting expensive spells. And you have your like natural green fixing anyway, and a higher curve that can take advantage of playing additional mana sources and stuff. So uh, I certainly wouldn't equate uh, red white to green black there, even if you're correctly identifying, hey, both of these decks are kind of like low synergy high card quality focus uh just like I want to have good cards type decks green black is much more position much better position to splash to get that card quality which is why I talked about only wanting to be in red white if you're like reading signals and feel like it's pretty open uh a question this feels like it wants to be a white creature deck with red support does that seem most likely not if you count the uncommon creatures. Like, what I really want is Voltaic Visionaries and Alluring Suitors, which are red. I think that uh, as far as um, outside of that, like, Falconrath Celebrant and Voltaire and Epicure are both very good creatures. Blood Petal Celebrants are relatively good, too. Casted Flame Breathers are relatively good, too. Um, the good white creatures are Traveling Minister, Kindly Ancestor, Heron of Hope, Drug Skull Infantry um so really you just like you don't want to play the three and four mana red commons that much but i mean it's not that bad if you have to play like uh the two three menace werewolf or whatever but so i don't know i i wouldn't say it's like heavily skewed toward uh white creatures red support i mean like the the white support's solid and the red creatures are solid so yeah i mean that that can happen but it doesn't come through is particularly pro- prominent for me next question is a good one i assume this is another deck that doesn't really want ceremonial knife because it's red is that right which is a great question because this is obviously red which doesn't want knife and white white which does want knife however i would say yes you will likely have enough blood from your red cards that you don't want to spend a card on knife to get blood because blood has diminishing returns and you want to prioritize volderran epicure and falconrath celebrants highly enough that you won't need the knife for additional blood. Also, uh, you have less synergies with the knife than, um, say, like White-Blue, where you get additional Disturbed cards. There's a question. Why are all the one-drops so good and most of the two-drops so bad? And the answer is that the one-drops are designed as utility creatures and the two-drops are designed as brawlers, but the two-drops as brawlers don't brawl well because uh, most of the two drops are two power creatures without evasion, and most of the three drops are three toughness creatures. So when your opponents... And and sometimes they're not just three toughness creatures, but they are specifically kindly ancestor. And so when your two drops are reliably getting bricked by your opponent's three drops, that's a bad start. There are formats where... The two mana creatures are two twos or three twos and the three mana creatures, well, let's ignore the three twos. There are formats where the two mana creatures are two two twos and the three mana creatures are three twos. And then the threes don't break the twos and the twos trade up and twos perform well. But the three mana creatures usually have uh, three toughness or are something like Sporecrawler where you're not really happy to trade a two drop with it anyway and it's just more likely that your two drops don't get to attack, you know, multiple times or attack at all if you're on the draw, they're less likely to really get you anywhere. If they also don't, like, block well, which a lot of the two drops in this format don't, then you're not getting value. Then they, they're, they, like, come into play pacified. They don't profitably attack or block. Whereas the one drops both cost less mana, don't really, like, take a meaningful turn to get into play, and also the fact that they can't attack doesn't matter, because, you know, you're looking at like Traveling Minister that's going like, to keep having an impact late into the game. And Voldaren Epic here, which, while it doesn't cycle, it does provide a meaningful amount of value right when you cast it, gets some damage, gets you the blood, and then has other utility in terms of, you know, crewing a hearse like we talked about, or allowing you to double block a menace creature, or just chump block something huge, or even better, uh, sacrifice to a uh, creature with the sacrifice mechanic. I'm blanking on its name for some reason. But basically, the um, the reason that two drops in general don't perform super well in this format is just the uh, sizing of the three mana creatures, I think, is the primary thing that's keeping the two mana creatures in check. Also, on Reckless Impulse, another question about that. I did look at it, and it does perform poorly in red-white. Not super sure what's going on there. I don't know if it's that, like... You have high removal count and like reckless impulse into removal can come at an awkward time. I don't know if it like puts you into trying to play kind of like a different kind of game than you want to play. I don't understand reckless impulse or red, white, and certainly not the intersection well enough to speak to it exactly beyond saying the stats indicate that it's not working out. Even late in the format, uh, particularly in formats where I have strong color and archetype preferences, there are going to be some things I don't know. That's one of them. Next question, would I say the number one thing that makes me feel like it's open is wheeling one drops? No, I don't necessarily expect to wheel ministers and I also kind of want to figure out if it's where I want to be earlier in the draft than that. So, it's more just like I think that this is less so there there are some spots that I try to figure out like is this open like specifically pick 8 through 10? I think with red white it's more likely that I'm going to figure out if it's open like picks 4 through 6 where it's just like Oh hey, this is like an abraid going weirdly late, or oh, this is like, you know, I get a fierce retribution and then uh like a cigarist imprisonment or whatever, um, kindly minister, what uh traveling minister, what have you. I, I think it's more about like, are the like top commons still in the pack in the middle of the pack? And less like, did I wheel the tear down from that? I'm gonna wrap this up before it becomes any more of a nightmare for my editor. Thanks everyone for tuning in as we wrap up Vow. I know we're very deep into the format now, and a lot of us are um, moving on to focusing on various cubes and other events, but always something interesting to look at or learn from uh, archetypes in any given set. So I do think it's interesting to round this out just to see how stuff lines up in this format compared to other formats and stuff like that and how it can inform us and just like make us better drafters and better at appraising uh, color combinations and future sets and all that. So appreciate the dedication of everyone who's stuck with this as we get later into the format and um, there's less time to leverage immediately any new skills in this archetype. Certainly, as we get toward the end of the format, I think it's important for me to keep in mind that any Big picture lessons and comparisons to other formats that I can uh, look at and highlight are going to be more valuable than just like, hey, here's how to you know draft Crimson Bow. So as we get into you know these last few archetypes, it's definitely going to be something for me to keep in mind on the production and content creation side so that said the only archetype i haven't talked about yet is green white the archetype that i've been saying all along i believe is probably best avoided so tune in next week when i struggle to figure out how to justify and discuss playing or even thinking about that archetype and have a good week and enjoy whatever form of magic you are up to these days bye for now